Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is a continuation of something I brought to the XR yesterday. The story of this missing woman. It's, I don't think that's going away. So I told people about it in the XR, but there have been new developments. So I'll just give you a quick recap. There's a woman, Heidi Plank, who's missing from LA. She's been missing since October 17th, a Sunday when she went to her son, her young son, like 10 or 11, his uh, football game. And when I read this story, I, the only reason I even dipped into it is I was like, oh, pretty blonde woman. Uh, why isn't this on national news every minute? You know, the Gabby Petito thing always leaves me scratching my head. So I like to pursue the other ones. Well, it's really hit the local news. But I noticed that even before I brought that story, when I was checking my email last night, Byron had previous to that sent me the story. It was actually out of England. They were covering it like Guardian or something. And it said that the only thing is her boss cared about was getting her laptop back, which her her husband, her ex-husband, who was worried about the mother of his child, was surprised that all he cared about was to get the work equipment back. And of course, after you unfold the story, you realize there's something on that laptop that he wants back. So the story is that she works for a couple of guys who are being investigated by the SEC. They have an investment firm and she just disappeared. And when I looked into it, the guys who she was working for were two guys who went to jail or were part of a fraud scheme with Devin Archer, who's Hunter Biden's partner in Burisma and some Ukraine and Chinese investment operations, which include James Bulger, Chris Hines, the son of John Kerry, um, Hunter Biden. And there's a lot of fishy stuff around Hunter Biden and his financial relationships way more than you ever hear in the mainstream media. And this guy, Devin Archer, who was busted in this fraud scheme, was the only one of these six guys whose conviction was overturned. And it was overturned by the judge whose husband was the number two on the Mueller investigation against Russian interference. It was really amazing. So another judge said, hey, hold up. This doesn't make sense. That guy is convicted straight up. So Archer has been trying to get it up to the Supreme Court. They recently said they're not going to hear the case. So he may actually end up in jail, even though he's besties with Biden or whatever. But I recognize the fraud scheme that these guys were being investigated for this Heidi Plank's boss as being the same kind of fraud scheme as they those guys went to jail. That's how I made the connection and realized it was the very same guys. So that's crazy to me. The husband thinks they're the ex-husband thinks there's foul play. He got a call from the SEC after her disappearance looking for information on the bosses. Like it's all weird. And she had a kind of comptroller or controller or accounting role of some kind. So she might have seen stuff that And as soon as the SEC was investigating, maybe they were worried that she was going to give up the information. Well, the ex did give it up. I don't know what's going on with all that, but what was so I decided to continue to investigate. And I know I saw there was I think it was this morning. There were articles about how her boss, Sugarman. uh, So the so the the video said, oh, there's video of new video from her front step from ring or whatever. So she disappeared October 17th and it said, Oh, here is a picture of her boss. This big time investment guy, big time. 
boss at her house a day or two after her disappearance. So she disappeared on Sunday. And it shows a video of him. Uh, it doesn't show him pulling into the drive. It doesn't show anything but him approaching her front door. So I'd like to see if he pulled up, looked around, saw that there was a camera there or what. But he goes up to her front door, rings the doorbell, and leaves muffins on the stoop. This is one or two days after she was last seen on a Sunday. So if it was really one day, he came the next day to leave her muffins. This, I mean, I don't know if you've ever worked... <laughs> For financial guys, they're not doing that. Yeah, they're not. They don't care about you. So even if it was Tuesday, that she would have missed work one day and he goes to her house. So I suspect if you could see the whole thing, you might see him spy the camera and he brought the muffins as cover, which I think is completely reasonable. But I mean, I it's, it's, it's a cover. Like, it's not like, well, he was bringing your muffins. It's like, well, I would have done that too. Like, you got to have an excuse to be there, right? He wanted right. to, he wants the laptop. So I think he went for that and she hasn't been seen since her friends are hysterical. And then I saw another thing that just came out was that she had the the ex-husband immediately said in the beginning, like, I thought she had just or she has a boyfriend. I don't know if she was with him or what, but she would have just disappeared. Her dog was running around in some high rise, like they found him through a chip. And it was just a weird story. And and the husband said, I absolutely do not suspect the boyfriend at all. They were having a dispute. I think she wanted the boyfriend to come down for her son's birthday, which just passed. And when she wouldn't talk to him, he thought she was ghosting him. So he didn't sound the alarm. The ex says he doesn't think the boyfriend's at all suspicious. However, I did think it was weird. But I, I again, I so far, it seems like the ex is a straight shooter. Her, She happens to be going out with a high ranking guy at the Chan Zuckerberg initiative, which is kind of. Is that you know, Zuckerberg's wife? Chan is Zuckerberg's wife and Zuckerberg is Zuckerberg. And they have like, a, you know, I guess it's a charitable thing or whatever. Yeah, this is bizarre. All the people who are kind of involved in this on the outside anyway. Yeah, yeah. And that that's the only one that normally I would say that was a red flag, but I can't really I can't really see the the connection there. He seems that guy that just seems to be a coincidence that he's a player like that. But yeah, uh, I just I think I, I think that video of the boss at her house, like within 48 hours, it looks like, or maybe even 24 hours of the last time she was seen on a Sunday is really suspicious. And my guess is he knew she wasn't coming back and he wanted to get that Oops. laptop, but he saw the camera. Yeah, I can just imagine this guy sitting down with the detectives in the case and them saying, there's a video here we're going to show you of you approaching the possible victim's door two days after or day after she disappeared. Can you tell us what you were doing there, sir? Oh, I was just bringing her muffins. I always bring her. It's just such an unbelievable excuse. Yeah, I was wondering if like even if I said I thought it was fishy that people would be like, well, you know, that was nice. It's like there's just no chance, right? 
Yeah, I, I don't see that happening unless he can produce a consistent pattern of bringing muffins and leaving them on her, her front doorstep. Then I'm going to have a hard time buying that. I it's, think that makes him seem guilty. Definitely. Just why would you show up? Yeah. It's just so dumb. And I don't I actually once I saw that, I, I kind of thought less that it had some. I mean, because Biden, Hunter Biden was named by Devin Archer or these guys who were the fraudsters. They used his name for credibility in the fraud. And <laughs> Hunter so Biden funny. stuff has been associated with other fraudsters, that Stanford guy, total fraudster re- related to the to Hunter Biden and all this stuff. So. I was thinking that it went right to the top like that. But now once I see the boss himself go to the front step, I'm thinking if this were that high level an operation, they wouldn't leave the laptop to chance like that. They would know exactly what they were doing, slip in the window. Right. I don't know. I just don't know. But I don't think we're going to see that poor woman again. Well, I hope that we do. It would be awesome. Yeah, I will and say you know that what? a friend said maybe she just went into hiding, but you don't leave your dog. No, you're right. Nobody leaves their dog. They get somebody to watch it. You said a minute ago that they used Hunter Biden's name for credibility. I find that hilarious. <laughs> well, that was back in the day. <laughs> yeah, back back when he was an upstanding citizen in society. <laughs> Before the crack pipe picture came out. That's mm-hmm. all. Maybe that's what he wants the laptop for. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers yesterday, we talked a little bit about. I got a a tip from Dean again with an article about what the protocols in the NFL are, and they do treat people who are vaccinated and unvaccinated differently when they test positive for COVID. I'll give you the protocols. Unvaccinated players must quarantine for 10 days before they can return to the team. This is after a positive test, assuming they no longer have symptoms. On the contrary, Vaccinated players can return as soon as two days if they present two negative COVID tests 24 hours apart. So, for example, if Aaron Rodgers tested positive on Wednesday he and he was vaccinated, he would have been able to submit a test Thursday and Friday. If they were both negative, he would have been able to play Sunday. Instead, he's not going to be able to play Sunday. And had it been Thursday that he tested positive, he also would not have been able to play the next week. So there's a clear bias that they have in the way that they're treating the players. And there's no logic behind that, in my opinion, other than to out unvaccinated players to the public and to the media. Absolutely. And to punish them and as a deterrent to others. But so if it were actually a test of contagion, which it is not. Carrie Mullis said this is not a test of infectiousness. It's not a test of viral load at all. It's just detecting some fragmentary DNA particles. And the higher you have to cycle it, the the harder it is to find those particles that you're trying to emphasize. But if if the test actually worked the way they kind of want you to think it works, which is they're sticking something up your nose because there's little trillions of invisible monsters crawling out your nose, jumping onto other people. Right. I mean, that's right. That's where it's asymptomatic, but infectious. Right. It's like you're not coughing on people, but there is stuff crawling out your nose and jumping onto other people. So I don't understand why vaccinated or unvaccinated people, the stuff that's crawling out their nose is less likely to jump on you. I mean, they've actually done gain of function on on vaccines to get it to jump on you. And they do gain a function on other viruses to get them to jump out on you. 
Yeah, it's totally about social control and punishment. You're exactly right. And Rogers responded to the criticism that he's been getting. He did an interview. I can't remember the name of the guy who interviewed him. But during the interview, he expressed his disappointment in the way that the media has been treating unvaccinated players and feels like they're trying to out him. He said, I realize I'm in the crosshairs of the woke mob right now. So before my final nail gets put in my cancel culture casket, I think I would like to set the record straight on the many blatant lies that are out there about myself. And then he went on to tell them that the media was on a witch hunt to find out which players were unvaccinated. And he said that if any reporter would have asked a follow-up question after he said that he was immunized back in August, then he would have explained that he's not an anti-vax flat earther, but he's a critical thinker. And then he goes on to describe the treatment of unvaccinated players in the NFL. He said that he's been following the strict protocols to a T for unvaccinated players. And he described the daily testing he's subjected to even on off days. And he believes the rules are in place to shame unvaccinated people and that he's been tested over 300 times (gasps) before testing positive this week 300 times wow he said they the vaccines do offer some protection but there is a lot we don't know about them there is a lot to natural immunity if you've gotten the covid before and you've recovered that's been a boost to immunity Mm -hmm. so i would say i agree with him yes and they Depending on what day you do your research, you will find that they say natural immunity is more powerful and lasts longer. And I think they're going to start acknowledging that when they feel like they've gotten every last damn person vaccinated they can and want to level up a whole class B passport for the merely immune and not the the vaxxed. So I did want to say what I think is leading down the path of them kind of feeling like they've completely saturated the vaxable market because now in England, they're approving a couple of drugs that may treat COVID. And if you have treatments, you can't have emergency use, which means it has to be fully approved, which it isn't, even though they say it is, but it isn't. So maybe that's why it's fully approved in Europe, which is community. That's probably I don't know. I really don't know. So anyway, there was a story that I did want to um, recap again because it's relevant. The the drug that's in the news about being um, gosh, was it approved? I think it was approved. It was this about the pill. Yeah, the molnupiravir. So if you go to try to look up the Merck drug, molnupiravir, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, you will immediately get the Pfizer stuff comes up. Like, I don't know why they're doing that, but they're definitely not promoting the Merck thing. But they are saying Pfizer is about to have one, too. But this drug, molnupiravir, is something that I talked to you guys about before, which is It's an experimental antiviral drug, which is orally active and was developed for the treatment of influenza. It was basically a failed retread like AZT always was. Uh, It's a pro drug, which is something specific. I'll tell you in a second of the synthetic nucleoside derivative and for hydroxycytidine. So maybe it has some relation to hydroxychloroquine. It exerts an antiviral action through the introduction of copying errors during viral RNA replication. So it finds the virus and it makes it have a genetic copying error. Now, this is so this is the drug they want you to use. It's 
it's a weird drug. It's a drug that messes with genetics, which I think is interesting. Uh, the drug was developed at Emory, your, one of your local schools, by the university uh, university's drug innovation company. And it was then acquired by Ridgeback in Miami, who later partnered with Merck. Now, a prodrug, just so you know, is a medication or compound that after administration is metabolized into a pharmacologically active drug. So it doesn't give you the drug directly. It just metabolizes into a drug, which is like one step removed. I don't know if that's out of control. I don't really understand what the problem is. However, uh, the guy who ran BARDA, which is the Biomedical Advanced Research Development Authority, which is a U.S. thing. His name was Rick Bright. He he resigned or he was demoted on April 20th. And he wrote an um, a statement on April 22nd that said because of his objection to chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine as a panacea rather than a specific prescribed drug to people in the hospital who were being monitored, that the Trump administration demoted him. That was what he said. He was didn't like Trump. He was demoted by Trump. And New York Times picked it up. A lot of places picked it up and they blamed they used it against hydroxychloroquine. Well, what I when I was investigating this drug, I found that Actually, there were emails April 13th, which is right before he got fired, about this drug specifically and drugs like it and him saying and and in his statement, it's just paragraph after paragraph of these cronies trying to get their own drugs promoted and approved even after bad trials. They want they not only want his job wasn't to approve it. His job was to fund it. So he he was like, we cannot keep putting tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into these drugs for crony basis that aren't really very good, um, misleading people. We need to allocate this money based purely on science and cronyism, cronyism, cronyism. And then it said, this was one of the lines from the article, it would not be unusual for Barta to consider a drug like this, but Bright notes in his complaint, so he filed a whistleblower complaint because he feels he was penalized, that similar experimental drugs in this class had been shown to cause reproductive toxic in animals and offspring from treated animals had been born without teeth and without parts of their skulls. I assume that's because this is a drug that causes DNA replication errors. So if that is going to do that to gametes, sperm or eggs or whatever, you're going to have genetic. I mean, that pieces of your brain missing feels to me like there's a genetic replication issue. Uh, so, there's real problems here. And I, it annoyed me that the mainstream only focused on the hydroxychloroquine. And now this thing is out there in the world without any mention by anyone. But us here, there was also a weird fishy backstory behind remdesivir, which in the end on October 15th, which I guess one year ago, the fourth and largest control control study uh which was conducted by the World Health Organization's Solidarity Trial, showed that remdesivir does not reduce mortality or the time COVID-19 patients take to recover. So remdesivir is another one they push on people that has absolutely no evidence of efficacy in the biggest, most robust trial. And certainly anecdotally, 
And I'm sure if there's it would pop up in studies, there have to be side effects of it. You just don't want to take stuff that you don't that don't help at all. Like, why would you do that? Let's just all pop remdesivir like aspirin. It doesn't even do anything. And there there certainly seem to be negative side effects. So just trying to keep people informed on stuff that the mainstream media is not reporting on. Did you mention that it was cut with part of the an AIDS drug? Which one? The Pfizer, it's COVID pill. Oh, I'm not, I'm not covering the yeah, Pfizer you're about the, pill the at all. One. So bring yeah. it. I the don't Pfizer know anything about pill the Pfizer is, It will cut risk of hospitalization by 89%, they're claiming. It's interesting how both these companies come out with pills on the same day. Isn't it? It's kind of... Uh, I don't yeah. think... I think Pfizer... I'd have to go back, but my impression was Merck got the approval and Pfizer crowded it out of the news because the mainstream media in the U.S. is owned by Pfizer and the Merck thing was happening in the U.K. And they don't want people to think about the Merck drug. They said, don't worry, Pfizer's coming. But maybe the Pfizer one's another HIV retread. Like It it could be. This one's a flu retread. It's cut with HIV drugs. And the drug, and I was trying to see if it had anything to do with AZT, which I don't think it does. It's protease inhibitors. They're developed to slow metabolism in order for it to remain active in the body for longer periods of time in order to treat the the condition. And Pfizer said so this is now the second antiviral pill behind Merck's to demonstrate the strong effectiveness to treat it. And it has plans to submit the data to the FDA as soon as possible. So, so the, Merck, the Merck pill was approved in England. And this Pfizer thing, they just want you to know it's coming. So I'm thinking there's, believe it or not, a little competition in the works, which is just shocking to me. But I do think that these companies are trying to exploit the the federal funding, the reduced regulatory approval, scrutiny and timeline to retread old drugs that just they could not get off the ground. That's my feeling. That's I mean, that was one of the things that went on with AZT. Interesting. I wonder what the vaccine messaging is going to be like after the pills come out, because they can't have people thinking that it's a substitute. It has to be complementary to the vaccine. You know, the, not just the pill will work if they want to continue to get people vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that they'll they'll target their or curate their propaganda according to the best, <laughs> most lucrative thing for the company. Absolutely. These people are making out like bandits. They never miss an opportunity to exploit these crises that they themselves create. They create them. Mm-hmm. And Trump has a solution to some of the crisis that we're facing right now. He released a really long statement. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll read you a couple of the passages that are relevant. And the statement is about his new social media empire, his platform that he's creating, Truth Social. And he made the announcement about the company coming out a few weeks ago. Now he's making an announcement to explain to us why he is creating Truth Social, what his reasoning is behind it. And he hits he hits the right notes for people who are tired of the media, people who see all the lying, people like us. He really tunes in to the pain points people are experiencing. It's actually a fantastic job crafting this for the purpose of appealing. I am a little curious about what's really behind it because it's, it's written so well to target the people who are just tired of all the cancel culture nonsense that it's, it makes me a little suspicious of the whole thing. But here's some of the 
the highlights. He said that America has always been a nation of smart, spirited and independent people who take pride in thinking for themselves. We admire those who aren't afraid to speak their minds or go against the tide. Yet suddenly we find ourselves being censored and dictated dictated to by a small group of self-righteous scolds and self-appointed arbiters of what everyone else is allowed to think, say, share and do. You see how it's really hitting those notes? Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. So do you happen to know what it is, what it is all like? What is the whole thing going to offer us? Is it going to offer us like a Twitter or a Facebook or a, or is it going to be more like a drudge, like crowdsourcing, sure. Telegram? Yeah. Remember how there was talk of, and you even talked about this back around 2016 about Trump creating a media empire just in general. And yes. networking. I, I think that's what this is leading to. At the end of this note, he says that it's not just going to be about true social. It's just the beginning of the plans. The Trump Media and Technology Group will also be launching an on-demand video streaming service that competes with the increasingly woke and politicized entertainment program programming created by big tech and big media players. And this is so. He says he's going to create a cancel-proof, cancel-proof alternatives in other key areas, ranging from web services to payment services. So he is cashing in. So we have seen these. We've seen the opportunity for the parallel cultures, parallel society emerge. And now Trump himself seems to be stepping in to fill those voids. I, I talk to my friends all the time here in the entertainment industry. I'm like, look, man, if you just embrace what you really believe instead of hiding in the closet and just talking to me about it, there is a market for people who lean right or even just in the middle to have comedy and entertainment because the stuff we're seeing on the other side is just so blatant propaganda cancel culture stuff that people are sick of it you can embrace this and there's probably an opportunity for you to make money there i've told a couple of my friends that and now trump is going to swoop in and take that opportunity away from them i mean it's smart it's smart to do that and i mean how would your friends be able to take advantage of that opportunity like build an app no, they. One of my friends has a production company where he makes films. They they make content, and you get businesses you work with. I told him, yeah, there'll be do. an appetite for that content on this thing. It's not too late. Then it gets. No, I'm not by. saying it's not too late. What I'm saying is the Trump's opportunity the to, to be a first mover is now. Trump is now going to be the first mover. No, I think I think what Trump has is a platform. I don't think that he's. I don't. I think that that your friend could provide content to that. This is not could provide content for the platform. I think that they're actually going to create a network uh, and have original programming that they bring in like Netflix gives the Obama's $20 million for original programming. I can yeah. see Trump, we see Ben Shapiro doing this a little bit, a little bit on the right. He's already started a little bit. I can see Trump doing some of that, but yeah, you're but right. Even then, you know, they, they outsource that kind of stuff. And for me, Trump is a guy who came into the presidency without a computer. So, yeah. I believe that this for him is the same as his real estate empire. He failed actually building buildings and running casinos. He succeeded as the brand. So other than the post office, the, he didn't have any assets. He just was a brand that people all around the world would pay for. And I feel like, you know, I think we've met a few people who are investors in this or you yeah. know, contributing to this, believe in this, but I do believe it's like just a brand for him and his, he's the talent. He is out there as a branding guy. He looks like, I mean, part of his image is going to be that he's the guy, the brains behind the operation, but he's really just the face job. But I would think that it would be, uh, I think that, I think that it's, it'll probably have some success. It is. Oh, I think it'll absolutely have success because he is putting his name behind it so strongly. And I think you're right. There is a lot of opportunity there for people who 
are hiding in the entertainment industry or other industries where they can come over here to this type of to this parallel society essentially and work and then you start got to start looking into the influences behind that as well and be careful when you get involved but maybe it'll be a great thing maybe this is what we're looking for who knows i mean do i i think if you really wanted to advise somebody make the content and sell mm-hmm. it to these guys or you could ask to be commissioned to make the content but that that then you are kind of in league with them but you could just make it and yeah. sell it yeah, I told my friend to, to find a, to make a list of companies that have made statements about not requiring masks and mandates and stuff like that and go to them and be like, offer them your services and see how you can work together because they're probably more likely to be, yeah, I want to work with you because we have to share our beliefs. I think right now there's a lot of that going on in the economy on both sides. Listen to this one quick little uh, paragraph here where he really just nails the right the right notes again. He says, Nowhere is censorship more dangerous than more dangerous and brazen than on social media, the public square of our times. We have seen renowned renowned medical doctors being banned from platforms for contradicting health authorities, quote, health authorities or questioning the political narrative of the moment. We've seen scientists blacklisted for sharing evidence that the pandemic began in a Chinese lab. We've seen vital reporting about Joe and Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, information that voters needed and deserved to hear ruthlessly suppressed and erased from the Internet just weeks before a presidential election. And as everyone knows, we've seen a sitting president of the United States effectively silenced by a small oligarchy of tech titans and mainstream media corporations. He sounds like a regular conspiracy theorist doing a podcast it's a good statement i'll I'll put the put it in the show notes all right before we get to our last big story of the free 30 which is about how a new and unexpected twist in the let's go brandon meme has hit social media i want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the xr which is how the miami herald just hired a new heartless writer and was a russian spy defenestrated in berlin I also want to thank our sponsor of today's show, Granite State Spice. Go to your spice drawer and check the ingredient labels on those plastic bottles of stale, discolored powder that have been there for years. If you're seeing silicone dioxide, try calcium phosphate, monosodium glutamate, and a bunch of other scientific terms you can't pronounce. It's time for an overhaul. I mean, do you really want to be eating the ground up version of what's in those tiny packages you toss from your shoeboxes that clearly (laughs) state do not eat? Well, that is what silicone dioxide is, and it's found in loads of FDA approved foods disguised as an anti-caking agent. I certainly would not eat this, and I don't want anyone else listening to the propaganda report to be eating this trash either. (laughs) After all, we need to stay healthy for the big move into the tunnels. (laughs) The Outlands! Yes, after you chuck all those stale spice blends or use them as pest control in your garden... Come over to GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com and refill your pantry with a load of small batch spice blends that are sure to please. Matt and Kim, Matt and his wife, Kim, own and operate Granite State Spice Blends in Salem, New Hampshire. They are a craft spice blenders creating some tasty concoctions for meats, veggies and anything else you want to add a little bit of flavor to. Their ingredients are treated with the attention and care only a professional chef can give to such an important part of your food. The flavor. They toast all of the seeds and chilies over Applewood and Fogo brand premium lump charcoal using a big green egg. I love big green eggs. I use them all the (laughs) time, actually. I love those. And Lodge cast iron and their herbs are muddled in a marble mortar to release the full flavor of aromatics resulting in a spice blend that will transform your food into something amazing. 
They never add any mystery fillers or chemically derived flavoring agents. It's just herbs and spices, baby. So out with the old and in with the new. Granite State Spice Blends will bring the right flavor to you. Find them at GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com. Live free or die. I almost forgot, Propaganda Report listeners, that order online and use the code TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10. That's TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10. No spaces. will get 10% off their entire order. This coupon has no limits to use and no restrictions. So check them out at GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com. So this is Matt, who we've given shout outs for to go to Pelham's farmer's market in new hampshire and people have gone he wore a propaganda report t-shirt which i sent him for the shout out uh and it was on the local tv so it was really fun i love interacting with matt and he sent me a bunch of samples of his spices so the only thing i've done so far is i use the taco seasoning and my husband I said, oh, you know, we have to try all these different spices, whatever. And I said, you know, that I use that in the taco meat today. And he said, oh, really? Is that why it was different? I liked it better. Really? Yes. That's awesome. No. Well, for them, it's awesome. Yeah. That's not for cool. you. <laughs> I had I to know. put a little extra spice in it because my husband's from Texas. So I did have to dump some um, like face melting uh, cayenne or whatever I put in it, but it is a really nice flavor. So I'm going to work my way through. I can't wait to try miso shroomy. That's going to be a good one. And uh, there's just a lot of, I wonder if he has a whole sampler. That would be fun because I got a sample pack and I love it. So anyway, let's support Matt. Yes. Support these Liberty loving companies. And also you can check us out on Patreon. We have a DPP tonight. A disappearing patron party starts at 8 PM. Correct. Yeah. And if you want to go to that party tonight, it's on video. We have interactive chat. It's a lot of fun. There's alcohol involved. We encourage those to safely join in in the in the drinking while they're at home chatting. And then the videos disappear afterwards. This is one of our patron perks. And if you'd like to join the experience, it can get a little wild in there. Then go to patreon.com slash propaganda report today and join up. And now on to our final story of the free 30. To my delight, this morning, I opened up Twitter. Usually, that's not a phrase that goes together. To my delight, I opened up Twitter. It's usually to my dismay and outrage, I open up Twitter, because that's kind of what you do on Twitter. You go find out what to be mad about. But today, I saw an interesting new twist on the thank you Brandon meme, but it was coming from a another group of people. This one was coming from the other side of the aisle from progressives. And it was hashtag. Thank you, Brandon. And it was being propagated by blue check marks like George Takai, Scott Dworkin and other progressives. Really, it was almost all blue, blue check marks that were top of it. So it was clearly astroturfed. It's an astroturfed attempt to co-opt the let's go, Brandon meme the naturally occurring phenomenon that has swept the nation and it will this will fail badly because this will probably be forgotten by monday but what it will also do is it will probably fuel another wave of let's go brandon's from people who saw this pathetic attempt to co-opt let's go brandon with the thank you brandon meme but 
the thank yous they're giving. So it would mean thank you, Biden, is essentially what they're saying. Is they're thanking Biden for all the wonderful stuff that he's done. Thank you, Biden, for the October jobs recovery, the Dow Jones being up and for the over 222 million Americans being vaccinated. And of course, thank you, Brandon, for children now being vaccinated. This is how what many, they're how trying. How many people are vaccinated? 220 million as well. That's one a of first shot. Oh, first shot. Yes, that's how they count them is the first. Shot. That's the only reason they're probably requiring a lot of these mandates like in the NBA and other places, because they only require them to have one shot instead of being, quote, fully vaccinated, which makes absolutely no sense at all. If you're not considered. Fully no, I'm vaccinated. telling you there, it's like price discrimination. First, for the first mover, you charge the most. And then after a couple of months after the first movers have all absorbed the product, then you lower the price to move it, you know. And that's how it's going to be. And then you have some other other thing that you're trying to accomplish. So in this case, they also want to accomplish the Vax passport. So if they just if they want to sell their product, but also get your email address, they'll give it away in the end just to get your email address. So, I mean, we're just going through a tiered marketing plan. Yeah. Well, I I think that's interesting. It seems that. I don't know who came up with this idea. I have no idea. I, I definitely know it was AstroTurf. To somebody who commented on one of my threads, I tweeted something about this, a similar thought. And immediately, almost immediately, somebody who does not follow me that I've never seen before that had like three followers tweeted this long list of the same thing that George Takai and everybody else was tweeting. It was obviously yeah, really? it was sent to him from Indivisible. And he was trying to get me to, to you know, pick a fight, get in a fight with him. And I just responded by saying, I said, ha ha. And then he was like, nice response. And I was like, yeah, I was like, thanks, man. I appreciate it. You're doing a fantastic job. And I mean that because he was doing a fantastic job propagating the talking points that are being sent out. I don't know if some progressives are just really bad at this meme culture stuff, or if this is actually an attempt to maybe cause the let's go Brandon tweet to have another kind of uh, um, refresh run, perhaps to, demonize it more i i don't know but this is is a really poor attempt to get a counter let's go brandon theme going i think people are very i i hate to say it i never used to say this but i think people are stupid i think we've just got that, they've been dumbed down like i didn't used as. to think that because when i first started my show on WSB and like so many people, my message, which I learned at my father's knee for being a traditional conservative and then for myself as a libertarian, it resonated with so many people. I was like, wow, like there's hope. And then those same people were just like Donald Trump, right or wrong. I was like, what? And now we've got this idiocy, idiocracy, baby. So anyway, all right. That's so interesting. Um, (laughs) It's also funny because it it took them like a few hours to trend. It took Let's Go Brandon how like a month before it ever got trending on Twitter. The the real one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They definitely select that. So just so people know, you mentioned in the ad that it is not too late to join Patreon for the DPP tonight. If you're listening to this in real time because you listen as soon as the show drops, then you're going to want to be at the DPP tonight. You can join patreon.com slash propaganda report. Just be in a party level tier. So um, Truth Sponge is just for pure content. Anything above Truth Sponge gets access to the parties. It's, that's all live stuff after that. If you are a Rockfin subscriber, I opened up the tier for Patron Saints Rock. If you're a Rockfin subscriber, you can be a patron saint for... Um, 
a little more than just half price. So it's basically half price. And if you do become a patron saint today, you will at least get one patron saint Zoom party as well as DVP. And then you can just cancel. If you join, then cancel. You do get charged for one month for sure, but you'll get the features, the benefits for a month. So it's not too late for that. Uh, We're going to have a great DPP. And I have a shout out. Paul Waski, the Waski Family Farm on Instagram, you might know him. They he connected with Deborah gets red pilled Adam through this show. It's so great. I love that because I love both of these people. They're really living it. They're living it. And he says, I'd like to give a shout out to the Deborah gets red pilled podcast. Adam has made some big changes after not making as much progress with Deborah, his mother-in-law, who he's trying to red pill uh, as he thought he would in 70 plus episodes. He changed his format. So are you shocked? You thought we were going to win Deborah over? No, I thought that he had made some progress, some, but not it's not worth his time. Like at a certain point, you can make a little progress, but it's not worth it. So he's splitting the podcast into three separate shows, which I think makes sense. He's great. Uh, Inside the boomer brain. He's still feeding (laughs) Deborah the red pills she needs. He is also now this. I haven't heard this, so. If if he remembers, if Adam remembers, he will give me credit for this. And if he doesn't, he has to go back and watch the shows we've done together, because unless it was off the air, I coined this. The next show is Chicken Tenders co-hosting with his beautiful wife, Emily, and talking homestead. Now, he when he introduced me to Emily, he I said, who's your chicken tender? And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's a chicken tender. Because she tends the chickens. So I feel like I should get credit for that. I thought it was so hilarious, but maybe it was his idea. Cause you know how sometimes maybe he incepted me because he's an actual like deadpan comedian. It's possible he incepted me, but I was very excited that I called her a chicken tender. And now she is officially a chicken tender. His other, the third show is into the apocalypse where he and his handsome co-host chud x who i just met on twitter by the way explore unhinged conspiracy theories ancient history consciousness and more so be sure to check them all out still under the deborah gets red pilled rss feed and youtube so i am going to check that stuff out i love adam and if he hears this i think i want either my props or for him to say that he walked me into it. <laughs> so cheers. Cheers to Adam. Cheers to Chud. Cheers to Deborah. And cheers to Yeah, Emily. that's awesome. And uh, good luck with Deborah. I hope she hey, continue. Maybe I'll invite them to pop into the DPP. Why not? I'll ask. Yeah, might as well. All right, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content and to that DPP party tonight, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and sign up there. We will talk to y'all next time. Have a great weekend or we'll talk to you in the XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.